Hi, welcome to the Back of the Truck Up podcast. I'm Justin, and I'm here with our writer, Rooster. Rooster, how's it going? Doing great, Justin. How you doing today, sir? Doing good. Weather's nice, so that's always good. Ah, nice, man. It's like 100, 107 heat index down here in South Georgia. It's going crazy. Yeah, we don't have that in Jersey. It's 70 up here <laughs> for now. Ah, uh, lucky you. <laughs> All right, so what we got in the headlines this week on uh, backthetruckup.com? All right, we're going to hit the uh, first little segment I call a recap. Uh, kind of like an old war- $2 recap tire. You buy at the truck stop, get down the road, and you go about 10 miles, and it just blows up, goes everywhere. Uh, this is what we're doing. Uh, starting off with a gentleman by the name of Kevin Jones. Uh, had a little issue with his employer, uh, J&W Enterprises, up in the Green Bay off of Packerland Drive. Yeah. Everybody hears Packerland Drive, they immediately think Schneider. No, this guy did, was not uh, a Schneider reject. He was not a rotten pumpkin. But uh, he's a 56-year-old man from Brown County up there. Uh, call 91 just after midnight on June 7th. Want to talk to police about uh, make sure his insurance policy was paid up. Uh, he didn't want to die without insurance. Well, of course, police did not go out there. And uh, what well, I kind of set him off. Uh, I reckon he took a nap, calls at 6.36 a.m. Uh, a little after a while. Uh, he claimed he was going to call, uh, start shooting people, uh, brought up uh, George Floyd, Minnesota, stuff like that. Well, of course, that got the police's attention then, and he called in, and they sent in the SWAT team. Uh, Jones uh, took off, made a little short distance run into the property, and you know, a canine unit quickly saw to that. Uh, he had a little bit of struggle with the guy getting him handcuffed. They hauled him to the local hospital for the dog bite. He's still mad, flailing around like a youngin'. Uh, repeatedly yelled out that he refused treatment, and well, the doctor signed off on it, and finally transported him to the Brown County Jail. I uh, don't know how much they're going to charge to pay him to get him bonded out, but uh. If you go to backtruckup.com, have a look at the picture and uh, see what the guy looks like, you might not want him turned loose. <laughs> yeah, he looks like someone straight out of a, a movie. <laughs> well, yeah, high-speed chicken feed does do that to people. Yeah, well, uh, I'm a former pumpkin driver myself, so I can see why there would be some confusion <laughs> about all that. Oh, yeah, well, I, like I said, I did... Uh, three years as a company driver, two years as a contractor, uh, leasing a truck through them. That's where I got my green freight liner from. And, uh, you know, some, everybody hears Packland Drive, it, it, it's synonymous with Schneider. And, you know, this case, though, it did not involve Schneider. J&W's actually on the other side of town. Schneider's on the south side of Green Bay. J&W is up on the north side, but it's still on Packerland Drive, you know, and that, that you know, that's how, where that come from. All right, so uh, what's happening in uh, Korea, of all places? Well, uh, the uh, South Korean Cargo Trucker Solidarity Union, uh, I guess their version of the Teamsters, has uh, started playing an infamous song, uh, I'm Not Gonna Take It Anymore, and they've gone into full strike mode over the weekend. Uh, so far, they have uh, had four rounds of talks between their leaders and the, the brand spanking new government of President Yoon uh, back starting on June 9th. Uh, so far, not good, not good at all. The 
cause of all this is they have what's they known as a guaranteed wage. You know, they get so much per mile per day, you know, a, a trucker minimum wage, you would call it. You know, that's what they're trying to get through Congress right now. Some people like it, some people hate it. Well, take the situation in South Korea as a, uh, a litmus test of how this is going to, how this would go down if things go sour and the president decides to cancel it. Well, are these guys paid per mile or are they paid per hour? Uh, so far, so far, what I can figure out there, uh, I haven't found that out actually, but they are paid uh, approximately twenty five hundred dollars a month uh, in U.S. dollars. Uh, to go down the laundry list of stuff being affected so far, if you guys are fans of the, the Kia Sophia, as my sister had one a long time ago, uh, there might be a little problem exporting those cars because they can't get the metal. Posco Steel, which is one of the largest steel manufacturers in, in uh, South Korea, their uh, Ponghang factory is now shuttered up. They can't get uh, the truckers to haul the stuff out to ports to export. There's currently 450,000 metric tons awaiting transit to the port. Uh, for you guys with the abacuses doing the math, that's uh, about $540 million held hostage. Not good. Uh, going into the concrete, uh, Korean Cement Association says they got a losses of about $11 million a day so far. Uh, current counter is sitting at $58 million affected. Uh, <laughs> talking about fuel prices. <laughs> South Korea is home to the fifth largest amount of refining capacity on the planet. That is now down to 90% productivity. That's uh, $387 million U.S. that's currently held up. Uh, talking about the ports, the port of Busan, the seventh largest container port in the world, is now completely packed. Uh, their traffic is now at two-thirds, and they're just trying to figure out where to put the put the Lego blocks, as uh, Professor Sal Macagliano likes to call them. Uh, the port of Ulsan, which is a smaller port, handles about 10% of the Korean container traffic. Uh, they have not even opened the door since last Tuesday when it started. And if things could not get any worse... A lot of semiconductor manufacturing is handled in South Korea. Uh, we had a little story going through TikTok and BackToTruck.com talking about uh, engine control modules being stolen out of trucks. Well, that situation is only going to get worse. Samsung and HK Hynix, two big semiconductor manufacturers, and God's everything in the sun is made with Samsung by Samsung nowadays. Uh, they didn't want to respond to press comments about what they're doing. Uh, just uh, It's only going to get bad or worse. We thought we were going to get caught up with semiconductors, but fortunately this is going to push us back some more. And uh, the unions, unfortunately, have decided they have reached their final straw. They uh, uh, Their last press release, they're talking about uh, reducing the loads to the South Korean coal power plants, which uh, could cause brownouts. And, you know, that's not necessarily a good thing going into the summer months down there. It is a quite warm and humid down in Korea. This isn't just like a ragtag team of, uh, you know, pissed off owner operators. These guys actually have some uh, some force behind them, huh? Yeah, this is a full-blown union. There's, uh, I want to say, 
currently, well, last time I checked, there's about 2,500 drivers that are striking, and that's just out of one union house of the union. Uh, I, total number, I want to believe, currently is getting close to that 10,000 mark, but it's, as you can see, it's they're selectively picking their targets that's having the most influence. You've got steel, which is made with everything. You have power, which is everything. Korea is a big export uh, export nation. If their ports don't work, they don't work. So they're they're hitting the target right where they need to be. It's it's kind of effective. You know, most of the protests you hear about here is like a couple dozen, maybe a couple hundred guys. You know, they get in the rigs and they go to DC and make some noise. I mean, what what kind of unionization are you talking about? We need here to make that work. Oh, somebody's going to go break Jimmy Hoff out that concrete casket wherever they got him buried <laughs> at and. Uh, this call for a 100% Teamster strike, that would get the attention of everybody. And uh, it would be just like South Korea where their big union decided to uh, shut down. They would have the president on the on the meeting table immediately. So the, the drivers that are on strike now, they're just like a part of the, the union, right? It's not even like their full membership? No, it's not full membership yet, but it's a... Like I said, they're hitting the stuff they need to hit to get the most impact with the minimum amount of effort. They haven't went full strike yet, but it is a very, very effective work. Yeah, it just shows you how different things are here versus there. I mean, that that just would never happen here. It's like it's completely alien to even think about. <laughs> well, the People's Convoy stuff like that have ruined the idea of something like that. You know, uh, don't get me started about how that whole fiasco. I mean... Day one, you know, day one, they decided they was going to do this people convoy from California to Washington. They put up the map. It's going across I-80 in the middle of wind season in, in uh, Wyoming and in in Nebraska. I mean, there's not a properly trained driver on the world going to run empty across I-80 when 100 mile per hour winds. That, that only that only mathematically had uh, something smelling foul out of that. Uh, well, let's talk about these uh, fuel prices being so high. Oh, you know this is the the redneck of me being from South Georgia is kind of actually proud, but it, it's not it's not a good thing. Uh, guys are taking service trucks, which I'm wondering if these are all the old Pilot Fly J service trucks that you know they had running around before Southern Tire took over that operation. But they're taking these service trucks, they're cleaning the backs of them out, they're putting in the 350-gallon the, the totes that we you know, we all haul in the back of the truck. Uh, two or three of them at the time, hosing them all together, you know, a 1,000-gallon capacity. Going up to a pump, popping the service panel off the bottom of the pump, and they got a, a quick connect hose. They just unhook the, the pipe, the draw pipe from the tank. Going to the tr from the tank going up to the pump, they hook it up to the truck, and they're just you know pulling the uh, meter gear off. That way the pump will run, but it doesn't tell the the cashier, hey, the pump's running, and they're just sucking the bottoms out of the tank. You know, thousand gallons at a time. So the people inside have absolutely no idea this is going on. No, all they got to do is just clip the wire to the pump, pull off the meter gear hook a 12 volt battery to that pump you know all those pumps are 12 volt and you know just hook a hose to the tanks that they're hauling around and they, they can just 
and what's so stupid, they're sitting out there hours at a time and the cashier don't notice. Well, it's not the job of the cashier really do notice. They're you know, sitting behind the counter having to serve, uh, you know, run customers through the checkout. You know, there's not a truck, there's not a gas, a, a, a Sitco gas security, you know, like a truck stop has. Yeah, and looking at some of the surveillance photos of these guys, it's just guys wearing normal street clothes. I bet you if they tried wearing like a reflective vest or, you know, looking somewhat semi-official, they'd just be invisible. Yeah, like like a state scales and measures audit sticker on the truck, you know, they'll never get bothered, you know. Nobody wants to, (laughs) even local law enforcement won't even question them probably if they they got like state attire on, you know. Uh, So what happened in, uh, in Little Rock? Weather's been kind of rough out there. Uh, let me see. June the eighth, on about noon, there was a massive chain reaction crash on I thirty westbound near Friendship, Arkansas. For those that don't know, Friendship's about forty five minutes southwest of Little Rock on I thirty. This is on the westbound lane, and it was it was pretty rough. You had eleven vehicles were burned after the collision, eight of which were tractor trailers. Multiple major minor energies reported. Didn't see any notification if you know if they had to life flight anyone out of there, but uh, unfortunately, three people did die because of the injuries received. Uh, luckily, so far, no reports of hazardous material freight being uh, burned or damaged were released. You know, that's something you never want to see happen. Uh, official cause of the accident hasn't has been returning. You know, NTSB's got to have their. Uh, 90 days to look things over. But there were major thunderstorms in the area, wet roads. Everybody knows people running 75, 85 on that little stretch of highway, even though it's all work zone, it's supposed to be 45 to 55. So probably somebody hydroplane and uh, went went full-blown bumper cars because of all. That's my opinion. Uh day, It was like 48 hours to get this mess cleaned up. You can check the traffic camera images I put on back to truck up.com. You can see the backup still after the next morning uh, rush hour at little rocks bad enough already, but uh, this only made it worse. The interstate was actually closed from exit 91 to 78. You now to give all the investigators from the local state and federal government time to work that scene, uh, give rescue crews time to clear out the de- destroyed vehicles and the freight. Uh, we all know how bad those clamps can be. And uh, road crews actually had to come in with the big equipment and reshape the road. You know, it melted the road. Uh, you know how that concrete gets when it gets burned up. You know, you got to dig it out all the way down to the to the clay pan and uh, mill and fill the road back together. And then give, t- give time for that uh, reinforced concrete to cure out. All right, so tell me about this uh, driver, Leland Schmidt, trying to get the uh, exemption from hours of service. Okay, Leland Schmidt Jr. is a over-the-road driver, like, uh, kind of like I was. And he hauled a lot of freight with the COVID, COVID restriction. You know, you could drive however long you want, just as long as when you got delivered, you immediately went and had your 10-hour break. Well... Leland is quoting his five-year safe driving record as part of the reason he should be receive a singular exemption from the hour service regulation. Uh, you see big corp companies, the mega carriers, the enterprise fleets get this all the time for their drivers. Well, Leland wants it personally for him. Uh, basically, well, 
Citing a 30-year safe driver record, uh, excuse me on that, was one reason. Uh, another one, it's the ELDs, that rolling time you get, you know, it's 10 hours driving out of 11 hours, 11, uh, 11 hours driving out of 14 hours works. Well, that rolls about a four-hour difference a day. So after a couple of shifts, you know, you're driving it night and sleeping during the day, which, you know, some people can't take that well with their circadian sleep rhythm. And he believes that the exemption would give him a much safer environment because he'll get the rest he needs when he needs it. He is uh, currently con uh, leased on the DNE Transport out of Clearwater, Minnesota. DNE is a company with 207 trucks and drivers working for it. They got a satisfactory safety record, but they uh, currently show 37 out of 225 vehicle inspections went at, into out-of-service violations. Uh, I posted the whole application letter on backtotruckup.com that he's personally sent in to the administrators at FMCSA. Uh, he's asking for a five-year exemption, but would agree to a single year at a time. He testified that he would drive no more than 11 hours in a 24-hour period. Uh, like I said, he said uh, he, being managed by the ELD caused him bodily harm because it forced him to work outside his body's natural harmony. Schmidt is quoted saying that he suffered a heart attack at, in 2018, six months after he began using the ELD. Uh, like I said, recent exemptions from... But for calling the COVID-related supplies are also part of that letter. He lists the multitude of programs he's worked under, giving leniency to the hour of service, including agricultural exemptions for corn harvest, uh, oversized load rules. Uh, he also posted the scientific research by the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT itself, showing that increased sleep time did not produce tiredness. That was a study they did over in India. Uh, public comment period runs 30 days through July 11, 2022. Although the FMCSA has not made the, public, the comments public for viewing, not happy about that. I did put a link to the docket on the backtotruckup.com in the article. And I'm checking that now. And they have made the comments public, finally. There's quite a few already, currently showing 360 comments as uh, being up there now. And uh, some of them are anonymous, but there are some names, uh, people being proud enough to attach their name to it. Not only uh, looking to be from the United States, but also some international commentary on this as well. So uh, uh, it's getting worldwide here, Justin. Yeah, I'm looking at the comments myself. In fact, to give his side of the whole argument, we actually have Leland Schmidt uh, here with us. Uh, give us one minute and we'll have him on, on podcast. Uh, Leland, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so last week, Rooster had an article up on backthetruckup.com going over your case here, trying to file for an exemption from the HOS uh, rules. A lot of comments going around saying, you know, this guy should get it, shouldn't get it, you know. People are also surprised that you're filing just for yourself, not for your company. Um, what exactly is it that you're trying to do here? I am trying to do, I don't know how you explain it. Uh, 
I want to do what I've always said from day one. I told DC when we were there five years ago, you know, if you would just let us do our 11 or even 10, however we want to do it in a 24, I said 90% of these people would not mind having ELD and we would all go home. And that's all I want to do. I want to be able to get back to the way it used to be. A long time ago, we used to run all different hours and they weren't so micromanaged like they are now. I'm trying to get back to just let me run how I want to run. Yeah. So for most people who don't know, truck drivers are limited uh, how many hours they can drive and also how long their total workday can be. So uh, drivers cannot drive more than 11 hours total and their work day cannot exceed 14 hours. Uh, once that limit has been reached, they must park for 10 hours and take a 10 hour reset and that will reset their hours. There's uh, other rules along with it too. You know, if, once you hit 70 hours total within uh, seven days, you, know, you have to take a 34 hour restart. So you're not trying to get an exemption from the driving limit. You're trying to get an exemption from when you're supposed to park to get your reset. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. And legally right now, I actually shorted myself because legally you could do 13 hours in a 24 hour period if you didn't have to go load something. You know, I'm asking for 11. That's it. I'm not asking to go over 11. Yeah, I was I was a local driver for like the last five years. And there's exemptions for that where if you can get back to your home terminal, I think it's within 13 hours. They allow you to go over the 11 hours, but you have to you have to make it back. Yeah, Justin was uh, working for U uh, United States Postal Service. I was the over-the-road guy, so I was the one that was having to eat the crow on this constantly for the last 15 years, you know. And, you know, I, I get where you're saying that. As you go through, you start rolling your time to where you're, you begin driving during the day, sleeping at night. But after about three or three, four days, your clock is been ran ran around to where you're driving during the night sleeping during the day unless you you know take a extended break and you know you, there's there, there's that opportunity for profit out the window and a lot of times you're if you're running for a mega carrier like schneider swift those guys uh, they're going to crack the whip you know they're going to wake you up make sure you're running when you're when they think you're running right Right. Yeah, and if you're driving team, you know, you're going coast to coast. So now you're also dealing with the difference in hours on one coast versus the other. You know, if you're driving solo, it's going to take you a couple of days to get out there. So that's not much of an issue. But for team, you know, you can get to the other side of the country in two and a half days. Yeah, and we don't run team. She rides with, she helps me chain my loads down, does paperwork, um, our social media stuff. So my sleep schedule is whatever and she has to adjust yeah and so that was what stuck out to me and, and where i got it wrong because um initially i was under the assumption that you were trying to get this exemption through like a health exemption saying that you know you have a sleep disorder to try and get around this rule but that's not that's not at all what you're trying to no to do here. no this was also new to me too where you know finding out about all these different exemptions that different companies have like i believe swift has an exemption that their driver trainees can drive without a training instructor in the vehicle with them. You know, certain 
construction companies because uh, the materials required are you know needed, but their home terminal isn't far enough in between where they're going. You know, the, the drivers have to drive over the eleven hours. So, why is it? Do you think that they're allowing? the freight to determine what hours and exemptions they have versus like the drivers themselves. Honest opinion. It's money. Mega carriers. He who has the money ATA get what they want. Small drivers get ignored. We all get put in a box. Where was this aha moment with you where you realized like, oh, I can actually file as, as a driver myself and not like on behalf of another company? We've known that all along because it's written in the green book. There was never an aha moment. We have talked about filing this exemption for years and did our research and found out why other exemptions were denied. And we pulled up the green book, 381.3.0. It tells you step-by-step how to do it. And as long as you address how you will be at least or safer as the rules are now, if you are granted this exemption, then they will at least look at your request. As far as you know, has there ever been another driver that's filed and been granted an exemption as an individual driver? There there have been drivers that have filed um, as individuals, but haven't met the criteria of being safe or just as safe or safer than what the government is. So then they don't get this far. As far as I know, this is the first one that answered that question of being safe or safer and made it to the register. Yeah. I was going through your application. I got it pulled up here. I got, when I, when I write a story, I just don't go by AP wires, copy, copy and paste structure. I actually, dig into the articles, look up stuff. Before you put in this uh, application, you stated you were, you've run up earning ex- uh, HOS exemptions for calling, uh, hauling corn in Wisconsin. Uh, you did that for three months, solid. Uh, you also did uh, oversized loads, which they have their rule about the 30 minute break. You know, you don't have to, you're zip from that. You also did some running up in Canada. You know, that's a whole different set of rules than the U.S. drivers have to. You state you got 3 million miles safe driving. Do you see yourself working more or less? If you get this exemption, would you be able to generate more profit if you were able to operate differently than any other driver? No. No, I don't. I see myself being more relaxed because you're not sitting there watching a 14-hour clock. I, I wouldn't say generate... No, I don't think so. We make good enough money with the hours that we were running before. You're just running harder because you're watching a clock and you're like, I got to get here before my clock runs out. Something happens and you're screwed up because of your 14 hour clock. Yeah, that was always my my thinking with the direction I went with my career. So part of the reason why I joined Postal Service was I, you know, if you can't beat them, join them. You know, I saw these these rules coming a mile away and I was like, well, (laughs) I don't want to be caught up in all this. And you know, we have guys driving a tractor trailer uh, with the yeah. postal service making really, really good overtime. But, you know, it's not like they're driving 18 hours straight. You know, you drive 15, 20 minutes to wherever your pickup is and you get loaded and you go to the next one. So you're doing small, you know, hops within the a city limit. But still, 18-hour day is an 18-hour day. Right. And um, just a brief 
backstep on the ag exemption when we do that sweet corn, that's a three-month window where you're running 36 hours and then the plant would shut down for anywhere from five to eight to do a cleanup. And then you're back up running 36 hours straight. But it's yeah. not that you're nonstop, no sleep, because you'd pull into a field, you get a 15-minute power nap. And then you'd, yeah. then you'd run for two hours and then turn around and do it again. So, uh, yeah, you know, when you're... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm a farm boy from South Georgia. We got that during peanut season, corn season, wheat yep. season. I mean, it. I, I, I have lived that life. I, I, I understand. You know, I've, I've had to yeah. sleep in the middle of the field waiting on the guys to come in to pick the pick the peanuts, then uh, run out to the run out to the mill to drop them off. You know. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I'm, I'm a recovering Florida man, and I drove for a guy that uh, hauled produce down there, and. I was hired before the season started, but he was always promising me, you know, how great it was going to be once the season started and how we were going to run like cowboys and stuff. And uh, I quit before that ever <laughs> came to fruition. <laughs> One of the things that the FMCSA has to keep in mind right now is with this COVID exemption, a person can get their CDL today and tomorrow. If you have the right cargo in your trailer, you can run 24-7. So my husband is a 30-year veteran, so he has the experience to know when to be safe. Yeah, yeah. and Rooster just did an article a couple weeks ago, I think, covering how a lot of these exemptions just got extended until, what, August now? Uh, yeah. yeah, I believe yeah, August 31st is now the current exemption, and they, uh, uh, boy, they love to add stuff to it whenever they need to haul it, right? Yeah, no, it's just they keep kicking the can down the road. So let's go into some of these comments here. Um, I tried to break it up by people who agreed and then disagreed. So let's see. This is from Troy Flannery. at uh, This is on regulations.gov. They allow people to post comments uh, whenever they have filings like this. Uh, whether or not it has any sway, I have no idea, but it's always fun to read some of these. Troy says, I believe an exemption should be allowed. I don't know how you could ask for an exemption and we'll be filing more also for the same exemption. I also have a similar sleep pattern of five to seven hours. Understanding that the FMCSA would want to know exactly. Well, some of these guys don't type very well. <laughs> um, Eric Jorgens, 100% agree with this statement. Mr. Rodney Smith uh, says, Mr. Schmidt should have, should have the opportunity to drive how he see fits. Uh, if he's the only one who knows his own body and mind, uh, he might get the right amount of sleep to function safely. Then we got uh, some of the people who are against it. Uh, Mr. Eric Dodge here says, you have followed the HOS for 30 years with no previous request for an exemption. Based on that, you do not need an exemption. Request denied. Obviously, this guy has not read into this whole thing because, again, you've been driving with an exemption but it was based on your cargo, not uh, not you specifically. Right. Uh, love this name, Spanny Free Love. <laughs> says the ten-hour off-duty period encompasses the sleep cycle, and therefore does not disrupt his sleep cycle, because the driver has the option to utilize off-duty on duty, or driving after the completion of his sleep cycle. There is no impact. Uh, I think he, like you were saying again, you go to sleep, you wake up five, six hours later. Now you still have another four to five hours where you're just sitting around, around waiting. It's not so much that the off duty is interrupting your sleep cycle. It's 
burning up, you know, productive time. time to make money. Exactly. And probably my favorite one here that really gets to the heart of the issue from Alan Taylor. He says, if you give Leland Schmidt Jr. this exemption, you will have to give it to everyone else driving a truck. Um, so I, I think that's kind of the point you guys are trying to do here. Um, well, you won't have to give it to everyone else. You know, this is a 30 year veteran. You know, maybe there can be some kind of an incentive to be safe, whether you're a 10 year experience, um, so many miles, um, minimum number of violations. You know, there has to be a minimum to be able to get this exemption. You can't give it to everybody. You just can't. Well, especially because, like you said earlier, you know, anyone can go and get their CDL today and then tomorrow, as long as they're hauling the right kind of freight, drive however they want. Mm hmm. Have you reached out to any of the senator's representatives to try to garner support for this? I haven't reached out to them for support. I was in the process today of actually reaching out to them to complain that it's taken six days to be able to start to read comments. Um, no. Our representative, um, Tom Tiffany, his office is, is always backed whatever we, you know, whatever we ask for. Um, he, he's, he's a good guy. <sighs> that yeah. was going to be a question of mine is if anyone in the government has like reached out to you or, you know, said anything no. regarding this case. The media has been pretty nonstop though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. As soon as this came out, it, it kind of went, uh, all over the place. So let's talk about the actual step-by-step and how you needed to, file for this exemption what what's the actual process itself like the actual process is to figure out what you want to be exempt from what what are you asking for now i've had people comment say well why didn't you just ask for the 11 hours in a 24 that's what you want well that's basically what's there except you have to do it in a 14 um so you have to figure out what regulations you need to be exempt from to make yours work and then the biggest thing is how are you going to be just as safe or safer? That is the biggest thing to figure out how you could do. And at no point, which might be one reason that they did look at it and think about it, I didn't say, oh, to hell with the ELD. I'm not going to run ELD. No, I'll run ELD because that gives you data. The government's big on data. So I didn't deny the ELD. And... I went less than what I legally could drive in a 24 hour period. So I think the key thing is just figuring out how to word it to get safe or safer. And provide data. You know, we included the sleep study. I was hoping, I was thinking about including his driving record but I kind of thought to myself that FMCSA could look that up if they needed to, but I'm going to include it in my comment just in case they don't. Yeah. So is this like on a website? Do you have to register to uh, file this or do you have to file like a physical letter? Do you have to fax somebody? It says right in the green book at 381 um, where you mail it to and to whose attention and you can do either a fax, an email, or a physical paper. And we mailed a physical paper. And don't expect it to be answered right away. Do you remember the exact date when you mailed it in? 
Sometime in March. We wrote it in January on the 18th and had a few friends read it over and get their opinions, changed a few things, and and uh, we were just down for the night, I think. We were waiting to load the next day or unload. Had some time, so we'd been thinking about it. We'd been doing our research, and the industry just frustrated. We must have been frustrated that night for some reason because we just said, okay, we're going to write it now. And... Uh, wrote it all up and when I got home off the road I printed it and put it in the physical mail and sent it. Yeah, a lot of the buzz around what's happening here is a lot of drivers, you know, first of all, they don't even know that this is a possibility. The other thing too, they think that if this gets passed, everybody else is going to be exempt as well. That's not the case at all. They'll have to file as well. And just filing yourself, you said it took three months. So imagine this passes or even if it doesn't pass, regardless. Now let's say 500 or 1,000 other drivers file as well. Is this going to be another three months per filing, or is it just going to be three months total and they all get rejected as well? Well, if, it, if they don't meet the criteria right up front, they'll deny it without ever publishing it because that's, that's been done. Um, if you meet a, all the criteria, then they will publish it and put it out for public comment and our public comment ends on July 11th, and they have 180 days to dispose of it. So, you know, we could be waiting for quite some time to get an answer on this. And my advice for anyone else that wants to file an exemption is wait. Wait to see what happens with ours. If ours is denied for whatever reason, we can adjust it and resubmit our application, and then you will all see why it was denied too. And if it's approved, then yeah, I mean, I'm gonna hang out a shingle that says I'm gonna write your exemption for you for a few for a fee. Oh, that's a great <laughs> business idea. <laughs> um, so let's say it does get denied. What are some of the contingencies that you have to change to try and refile? Just figure out what they deny it on. What whatever they deny it on, they have to deny it on a safety reason. They can't deny it based on well, this is gonna overload us. Yeah, too bad. They have to tell us why they deny it. Whatever the reason they come back with, we'll deal with it at that time. I mean, from your point of view, you've read the exemption request. What do you think they'll deny it on? I'm not one of those bureaucrats. I honestly have no <laughs> idea. But they, you know, they're crafty. They'll find something. Yeah. Read it. The, the one thing about it, you know, you, you testified in a statement, uh, July of 18, you know, Six months after you started on the ELDs, you suffered a heart attack. The only thing I could see, they could probably use that against you, saying that you, your body may not meet a wellness criteria. So uh, just to throw something out there, you know, it probably won't stick, but, you know, that's the only thing I could see on here that they can really kick you off on. Um, that won't fly either because since my heart attack, to be able to get back in a truck, I have to do a physical every year with a stress test. Every other year. Every other year. And see, you get cleared I, more than I do. I, I have sleep apnea and I only get cleared for one year at a time. No, we get, he, he only gets cleared one year at a time. And every other year, he has to have this stress test. So he still oh, has to have yeah. a physical every year. But he's approved to drive because of that. So they can't deny his exemption because of that either. Yeah, I'm really excited to see where this goes because exactly because they have to say why, if, if say they do deny it, they have to say exactly why, and mm -hmm. then all that does is give you more ammunition to 
you know, reload and, and, and go back in there. What are you hoping to achieve with all this going forward? Other than, you know, getting the exemption, what do you, what do you hope that like other drivers out there hearing this, uh, uh, that, that also want to join you on this? I hope I get the exemption for starters. And then I hope other drivers take it upon themselves to reach out to us. Um, how difficult was it? Throw ideas at us. What I think, if I think myself, it would fly. And it's, it's not based on if I think myself, it would fly because I got the exemption or I didn't. I wish they would reach out to us because it's based on the fact that anybody that knows me or me and Lisa, we've tried to educate people for the last five years on every regulation in this green book. And I know enough about the regulations to know whether or not stuff flies. And I just try to educate them. I hope it works. I hope it makes the industry look at it. And maybe the government will say, you know, we've got so many exemption requests coming in for this. Maybe we need to look at these hours of service again. Everyone's ultimate goal is safety on the roads. And if he can get this exemption and then have some data to prove that, yeah, an experienced driver is and can be safe without being micromanaged, then maybe we can do a pilot program. Maybe we can get other drivers the exemption. Maybe at some point in the FMCSA, we can do a, a, a tiered incentives to safety. You know, that's, that'd be the greatest goal where drivers can name when it's safe. I'm, I feel safe. I'm going to drive or I'm not safe. I'm not going to drive. That's the way it should be. Yeah. And you're kind of attacking this on a multi-front you know, you can't have all these rules and regulations while also having all the exemptions and then trying to get everyone else that's not exempt under these same rules while also saying it's going to improve, you know, safety or whatever. All we've ever seen since the ELD mandates and everything have been into effect, it's, it's not working. And so the solution they think is, well, more regulation or more micromanaging or more cameras in the truck or more tracking what the drivers are doing. One size does not fit all. That's a really good point there too. Yes, there's how many millions of commercial driver holders out there and everybody is different. Everybody sleeps different. Everybody uh, rests differently, but they want to have a one-size-fits-all rule to govern you know, every single person driving a tractor trailer. And our freight's all different. Exactly. That, yeah, that's, that's true too. The, the region in the country you're driving is different. You know, where you're going to mm-hmm. find parking is different. There's so many variables out there, but they want to have one rule to govern you know, the entire country. Well, as far as like me asking for the 11 and a 24 and to sleep whenever I want, some people out there might say, well, you can't do that. You have to have these certain blocks of sleep like is required. No, Um, there's a regulation on the books already for oil field exemption. When you're in an oil field, you're part of the wellhead and you off duty. That time accumulates to add up to your time off during the day. How is it good for that sector of the industry? But now all of a sudden, because I'm asking for it, it's not. You know, so the things I've asked for, they're already listed in the green book. Why not use them? I'm not asking for something that's way out there. And off topic, but it's not. Alaska has 15 hours in a day to drive. 
isn't that part of the United States? How come they don't have to follow the same rules we do? Very good question. Do you think that's just, is it like one hand not talking to the other? Like how do, how do the exemptions like this happen, but then also more and more regulations come down on drivers that don't have? The people that are doing the regulating have no truck driving experience, pure and simple. Are the regulators the same people that are also issuing the exemptions? Yes. Oh, okay. See, that to me, that that just doesn't make any sense to me. The one person that I know of at FMCSA that actually has any driving experience in a truck, a commercial vehicle, is Bill Mahorny. And that was a cement truck, and that was a truck. garbage truck. That is the only wow. person I know that even knows what the hell it would be if you had an air brake failure. <laughs> <laughs> no representation without experience is something that bugs the heck out of me with Congress. You know, they pass all these laws and regulations, yet they don't have to deal with it or they've never dealt with it, you know? Right. Well, it's always fun in theory, but then, you know, you never have anyone bouncing it off of you saying, well, no, actually, you know, you can't regulate this because reasons X, Y, and Z. Well, the FMCSA took it upon themselves to come up with the speed limiter one. That was not mandated by Congress. The ELD was mandated by Congress, you know, so eventually that fight will have to go to Congress if, if it's to ever be successful. But the speed limiters, FMCSA just came up with that one on their own. Yeah, and I've said from the beginning, I think any uh, lawmaker that's in, in favor of uh, something like this needs to drive every day to work and to home stuck behind two semis trying to pass each other doing 55. Yeah. That will be taken off the books real quick. Yeah. In Texas, where the speed limit's 80. <laughs> yeah that's one <laughs> but, but but the thing but thing is texas is so broad i mean it takes a day and a half just to go across it if you're a solo driver well i, I tend 890 miles across if you get stuck yeah if you, if you cross the state line when your hours are done you know that's two full days of driving and you're still in texas <laughs> yeah according how dallas fort worth is you could spend a day in dallas fort worth yeah my first time driving through Houston, I was like, I've been here for three hours. How am I still in Houston? Yeah. <laughs> when, uh, when the kids, our kids were really little, I'd call every night and they'd ask where I'm at and I'd tell them and they'd be like, I'm still in Texas. Really? It's like, mm -hmm. yeah. But that was when the speed limit was 60 at night too, you know, so it did literally take two days to get across. Yeah, that was uh, interesting. For the first time I drove through Texas um, in a truck, that, that was like something that stuck out to me was the, uh, the speed limit uh, decreasing at night. I'm surprised more states uh, haven't tried that. Montana did. Mm. I think Pennsylvania needs something like that because of the deer. But if they tried to do that, you need to, you need to be down to like 10 miles per hour. <laughs> they're, every, they're everywhere. Okay, so anyone uh, that wants to try and keep in touch with you guys and see what else is going on with this. What's the best way that they can uh, reach out to you guys or see where you're at? On Facebook, it's called Trucking Across America with the Schmitz. And on TikTok, we're Trucking with the Schmitz. Yeah. And Twitter, we're Trucking with the Schmitz. Those three. S-C-H-M-I-T-T. -T. All right. Well, guys, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we wish you the best uh, with your fight against uh, the FMCSA. As soon as we know what's going on with the case, so we'll keep this uh, updated. All right. Thank you. Cool. We're honored to be your first guest. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Thank you. It's been fun. If anybody thank wants you. to follow the docket, they can check it out. They can check it out at FMCSA-2022-0099. Please make a comment in favor. Or if it's going to be against you, make it like a decent one, not just uh, 
No. <laughs> yeah, and if you're going to make your comment, read the exemption. Don't read the summary. Read the exemption, then make your comment. All right, that was Leland Smith and his wife uh, talking about the FMCSA exemption request he put in. Comments are now publicly available. So far, the count's over 500. Uh, there's some good ones in there. So there's some not so good ones in there, but uh, we'll keep an eye on this and we will report back. Uh, you can always catch us every week here on Back to Truck Up Live. I'm always posting out articles, which I'm going to get back to doing as soon as I get through. Justin, where can they catch you? You can always catch us every Wednesday at uh, 1245 on uh, What the Truck and online at uh, backtotruckup.com and on Twitter at Back to Truck and TikTok at Back to Truck Up. All right, you can catch me at Roaster BTU on Twitter. I'm also hanging around on LinkedIn. You can catch me there. All right, thanks, guys. It's been fun. We'll uh, catch you all next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. <laughs>